Welcome to another edition of Anglican Unscripted, episode 676. I'm Kevin Coulson. I'm George Conger. Today's July 27th, 2021. All right, welcome to another show of Anglican Unscripted. We're glad you could join us. Before we get too far into the episode where you could change your mind, please like the episode now on Facebook and YouTube. If you have not subscribed to Anglican Unscripted, what's your problem? You've been watching now for years. It's time to, to, to make that jump and subscribe so you will get instant notifications every time we upload a new episode. Lots of great comments in the comment section. We responded to a few of the real good ones. Uh, we have a podcast version of the show. If you do not want to watch two elderly, you're not gray yet, one gray-haired guy talking on YouTube, you can listen to us in audio format. And please share this with friend and foe. People need to know what's going on in the Christian world and the Anglican communion. Um, George, what you been up to this week? Having a blast being a priest there is no better life you can lead. It really is wonderful. I, I get recharged when I visit people and uh, celebrate this. It, it, man, I, uh, I, I've been other things in my life. I've worked in industry. I've uh, done all these things, but the last 25 years of my life is just every day I look forward to going to work because yeah. uh, it's not work. So. Um, We've, wanna, we've got a well we've got a bit of a COVID outbreak uh, we've got two people in hospital with COVID uh, we've got uh, the counties back up on a very serious alert level but most of our people are vaccinated the two people who didn't who are in the hospital with COVID didn't vaccinate one of them was our very loud anti-vaxxer who at coffee hour would make all these noises about uh, you know Chinese microchips in the uh, in the uh, vaccines and uh poor girl got uh, poor woman older woman got uh, covid and is now on oxygen in the hospital mm. i got yeah, to I, wave to her through a, a glass window in the isolation uh, ward. i mean i thought covid was mostly over and uh jill and i've started visiting churches now on our trips we got to go to uh, two wonderful churches the last couple of weeks and uh one of these wonderful priests uh invite us over for dinner and he's an avid viewer so much that he knows that if he hears a keyboard in the background that it's my wife and he goes is that jill i hear when you type yes that's that's jill so uh, i thought that was jill grinding her teeth <laughs> no no, no yeah. it's, it's typing so uh oh, it's it's moving day for the Coulsons. we are relocating outside uh of pennsylvania and we're heading to visit mom and dad in wisconsin to get there we have to go through west virginia like for 10 miles ohio illinois and then uh up to wisconsin and uh, we hope to make it a slow trip and, and take about a week doing that um been a lot of fun here in pennsylvania last, last, yeah oh i hit the microphone kid did that's you right. hear that uh, that's fine last time you were up that way you almost got swept away in the uh, rv by these some strange word they use for these windstorms. Uh, <laughs> do you remember? Yeah, we we're going through Indiana when that uh, that windstorm hit, and uh, we're hoping to avoid the chaos of uh, the thunderstorms that happen very frequently here in the Midwest. 
Uh, people remember all the the great tornadoes that occurred here in the Midwest. What well, was Joplin, Missouri, and other places? Well, um, the Midwest in the August and in the afternoon can be very dangerous. So, yeah, nice of you to remember that, George. Now that I'm gonna be panicked and paranoid. <sighs> Drive in the morning. Got it. That's uh, what before friends before before we film kevin and i pray for each other and i did pray for his safe travels with this in mind because last time they're in that part of the world they were almost swept away like dorothy and the wizard of odds by by a windstorm or it wasn't a tornado but it was something uh it was something really i'll big. put a, a link to it because it was going on during the political crisis of the time and i never got a lot of news but uh, many of the farms were uh, com their crop was completely destroyed in the windstorm so um, look in the show notes for a link to that story. Um, George, we had to search this week to find a good story. This is going to be a rough week for those looking for good news. Um, and we went through all of Anglican Inc. And I think we found a good story we can post. Let me uh, uh, pull this up. There are, oh man, it's off kilter here. There are new dioceses for Angola and Mozambique. Yay! Good news story, George. Well, friends, this, you know, this really is a remarkable story of rebirth. There were, there have been Anglican outreaches in Angola and Mozambique uh, during the Portuguese colonial era where they were missionary territories. And, and uh, the communist takeovers of the two countries when the Portuguese pulled out in the 70s essentially destroyed the church. All the European settlers uh, basically were forced out and many of the Creoles, the sort of Portugal had been there for 400 years and the people whom the Portuguese had intermarried with and essentially were the educated classes of these colonies left because of the communist Marxist uh, regimes in the two countries. Well, the communism fell when Russia could no longer support them. And these two churches, which were basically were destitute, absolutely destitute, grew into self-sustaining dioceses. And then in Mozambique, they split into three dioceses. Now they're going to be five dioceses in Mozambique. In Angola, there's one diocese. They're planning on splitting into three or four dioceses. And they've just announced the inauguration of the Diocese of Cristo Rey, Christ the King, based in Wige, which U-I-G-E, which is in the northwest of Angola. And two things are happening here. There are no real Western missionaries driving this. It's not that we're sending people from America or England. It's rather the church is expanding uh, believer by believer by believer. And, and essentially the institutional church is following in the wake of personal evangelism by Christians and their witness. So the, the plan is in a few more years when they've got their act together, they will spin off from the Church of the Province of South Africa, or the Anglican Church in Southern Africa, to form a Portuguese-speaking province. Now, I've got to jump to sign Here's an opportunity for GAFCON. In Brazil, we have one of the strongest, the strongest Portuguese-speaking Anglican Church. Mm -hmm. The Anglican Episcopal Church, the one that's tied to the Episcopal Church, is just going down the tubes, is going down the drain. Yeah. The, the, the GAFCON affiliated one, the Anglican Church of Brazil, is multiplying, adding dioceses. Here's a perfect link 
where the Anglican Church in Brazil can, in essence, bring over seminarians from Africa who educate them in their own language, forge links, uh, and essentially share the fantastic growth opportunities that all started with Robinson Cavalcante of blessed memory. Um, Christ cannot be contained by communists. Christ cannot be contained by uh, Episcopal Church and Lambeth Palace bureaucrats. God will spread no matter what the, the, the drones tell us that the bad people do. No, it's amazing to watch the church grow. And, you know, the Soviet Union and, and Russia were not able to put the spark out that had already existed in these countries. And once the, the Soviet Union fell, the, that spark turned into a fire. And it's really interesting to watch how these dioceses and churches are growing. And they need financial support. They need some help from uh, the means of uh, GAFCON and the uh, ACNA and uh, other provinces. So... Uh, yep, there's a pro there's a diocese in northern Mozambique, uh, Cabo Delgado, where almost a quarter of the population has been driven by their from their homes by jihadists. Uh, they're under assault from the local branch of uh, ISIS or Boko Haram, and it's a really difficult situation. So when you send money to the Portuguese church speaking churches. You're not sending it uh, to pay uh, bishop salaries or buy them cars. You're sending them money so they can buy food for people in refugee camps. Mm. Um, I think these are one of the, uh, uh, oh, Kevin, I've just gone to blank. The Anglican Aid, what, what is the uh, the fundraising group that, uh, uh, Gosh. based in Ambridge? Uh, uh, Anglican can we start Relief over? And no, Anglican Relief and Development. You know, at our age, we're lucky to get half these words out. Yes, they're, they're based out of a Friends, don't pick on Joe Biden. Look at the two of us. We're <laughs> 20 right. years younger. We can't handle it. Uh, and it can release some development, I believe, is helping in that part of the world. Absolutely. So, all right. So that's the good news story of the day. And we're glad we could find it and provide it for you. And we're watching the church grow in places you never thought it would grow because uh, there was so much uh, Christian persecution in these areas before. And for some reason, persecution fuels the spark. So uh, let's move on to, oh, our favorite province of all, the Church of England. Um, you and I have... Kevin, now that, Kevin, now that yeah. we've have given us a little template where we start with a good news story, yeah. should we add our second story should always be, how stupid can the Church of England be? <laughs> Is that well, sort of a, a routine that we're going to now develop? story too <laughs> so we'll see we'll just see what the pattern turns out to be but um you and i've discussed it when we had gavin on the, sh the show we, we discussed it with him what does it take to be uh defrocked within the church of england who would who loses their job and well, we've seen that the people who are persecuted uh, seem to be the good people and the people who are defrocked uh i'm sorry uh, are also those good people and here's a, the same type of story. And what I've come to discover is the Church of England at the leadership level is just filled with Pharisees. People who are just looking for a reason to come down on somebody. And this is the story for this week. Somebody was not wearing a mask at a service and now they're being brought up on charges, George. Where does this happen? Church of England. 
friends, you know I'm a bit of a, a car nut, a gearhead. The Church of England is the General Motors of uh, churches. Ouch. Dead from the neck up. <laughs> Dead from the neck up. It's uh, the Ford Pinto of churches. <laughs> uh, there's a priest named Charles uh, Boyle. He has a church in the Diocese of Salisbury. Charles Boyle has been has had a clergy a CDM clergy disciplinary measure complaint lodged against him by the archdeacon of his area, and it's been upheld go ahead by the bishop uh, Nicholas Holton, who's, who's retiring shortly. His crime he has committed three heretical acts. The first act is that he hugged a parishioner at a funeral. A mourner. Someone who was deeply grieving, a mourner. Mm -hmm. Someone who had lost someone very close to them who wanted to know why was God doing this. And Charles Boyle hugged her. Second, Charles Boyle at the Easter service. Boyle has asthma and is has a medical exemption from wearing a mask. He sang at the Easter service without wearing a mask as he processed up the aisle with the cross at Easter. And the third complaint is that Boyle, without permission of the diocese, put Bibles back into the pew racks. Now, I, I can see, you know, allowing parishioners to read the Bible may really cramp the Church of England's style and theology. You know, they could actually test the word of the preacher against the word of God. Uh, essentially, the, the nitpicking bureaucratic drones are seeking to destroy a successful evangelical priest. I think he had his curacy at Holy Trinity Brompton, mm -hmm. um, or one of their spin-offs. Second career man, he had been a, uh, a lawyer uh, then went into the ministry in his 30s. And to, to discipline somebody like this when you basically do nothing about the pedophiles and the perverts and the Jonathan Smythes and the heretics, uh, so on and so forth, the, and the rank heretics like the Bishop of Liverpool, mm -hmm. to, to basically focus your anger and and against people, you know, maybe a kind word, you know, we have rules. They're not legally enforceable because you have a, an exemption, but, you know, just it would look better if you did this. And, you know, there are ways to handle this, but the stupidity of the drones and leadership of the Church of England, oh, they're a joke. They're the General Motors of the, of the actually, no, Kevin, I'm going to be even meaner. They're the Chrysler of the church world. Oh, yeah. Chrysler Fiat of the church world. All you need is the three of them to merge, Church of England, Chrysler, and Fiat, and you'd have the three stooges. Uh, uh, well, it's bad. I mean, it took, uh, COVID, it took COVID to unmask how bad the Church of England really is. And, you know, all, the leadership by Pharisee, it, it's, it's getting old. Um, I was trying now, to think of that. No, hear me, hear the, me the, right. The, I mean, yeah. The, the, you know, you do need to follow the rules. You should follow your bishop's directive, but you need to lead with a light touch when you have a heavy hand uh, which is an example which this is an example of heavy-handed leadership then when you don't apply that heavy hand across the spectrum to all forms of misconduct 
then it is quite clear that you favor one side or one particular worldview or one particular behavior over another. So a non-celibate uh, man who's out having a good old jolly old time breaking every moral doctrine to the Church of England can't touch him. Hugging a woman who is in grief over the death of someone she loved to try to share the love of Christ and compassion. Maybe it's because the English don't like public demonstrations of emotion that uh, he's being nailed for know. cultural crimes, not a, not anything else. Well, I, I wonder if you, the cultural reference you use with GM and, and Chrysler just doesn't do it. I got a better one. How about they're the Yugo of car manufacturers? Remember the Yugo from the 1980s. So, <laughs> just like well, I, I I would actually say the Anglican Church of Brazil is the Yugo. Oh, yeah, good point. Yes, Anglican uh, Episcopal Church of Brazil. Excuse yeah. me, not the Anglican Church of Brazil. The Anglican <laughs> Episcopal Church of Brazil. Yeah. All right. Uh, next story. Uh, we just talked about communism. China now says we need to add an official teaching to the church in China. We need to have the uh, the speeches of our president need to be read from the pulpits of your churches in in China. Is that what, am I getting the story correct? Yes. On July 8th, Chairman Xi, spelled XI, uh, the leader of the Communist Party of China and the leader of the nation, held a party meeting. And from that party meeting, regulations were issued that the three self-patriotic movement churches, those are the legally sanctioned Protestant churches. The other churches are the house churches, which are not legally sanctioned. And these are the people yes. that can yes these are the people that can actually meet in public they're being persecuted their churches are being closed their steeples knocked down their clergy being arrested but they're still legal she has said that clergy preaching from the pulpit in three self-patriotic movement churches must refer to his speeches when they preach now when you preach you're supposed to preach from the word of god and the Chinese Communist Party has now said the Word of God is no longer the Bible, it is Chairman Xi. So as of July 8th, uh, this was announced the meeting, and I think beginning August sometime, some Sunday in August, we now must hear reflections on the Chairman's speeches in our sermons. And I suppose you have to refer to his speeches in good light, not as example of evil, but is an example of good. So I, I'm sure that's... Here's what our Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> said. Here's what Chairman Sheesh says. No, I'll let Compare you draw your contrast. own conclusions. <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to do that. No. But Herod, things are cheat. getting bad. We're, we're, we're not quite yet at the uh, cultural revolution level of the 60s uh, where we're seeing mass arrests, mass deportations, the murder of people, we are seeing it on the periphery. We're seeing it with the Uyghurs, the Muslim Uyghurs in Western China. We're seeing it with some unpopular groups like the Falun Gong, evangelical Christians, Catholics aligned to the Vatican over Peking. Uh, but the next step is this uh, mass cleansing, and she has basically put into place the rules that can allow this to happen. Now, what's really interesting uh, from my capitalist perspective is to watch what the Chinese government has been doing to their companies, their Chinese companies the last, 
I'd say 14, maybe 21 days, they're coming down really hard on, on uh, companies that make money in China for China. And I'm like, ooh. So they're, they've gone from hyper-capitalist, which they've been now for a good dozen years, enjoying uh, the, the benefits of uh, capitalism in, in a world economy, to coming down very hard on those pure capitalist com- uh, companies in China. And that does not pretend well because there was some kind of built-in protections for those companies as long as they served the republic. So we'll just have to see what happens. Well, the other thing that she announced at this meeting was something that didn't get much play in the United States. He relaxed the one-child policy and now said you can have up to three children. Um, actually, officially, the one-child policy was relaxed a few years ago, and you could then have two. It's now moved up to three. And the reason why they've done this is that China is facing a looming demographic crisis where the average Chinese couple has 1.1 children. So the popu- and what that means is that there are no, there are not going to be workers to replace the current workers who retire. Um, and also there's a tremendous imbalance of male, female in the country among the younger generations. So uh, if you had, uh, at one time, if you were pregnant and many Chinese would, uh, if the child was a girl, they would abort the child so as to have a son with the idea that traditional Chinese, you need a son to carry on, care for you in your old age and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Now, this is too little too late. And you can sort of see it now, it's now cheaper to have manufacturing operations in Vietnam, for instance, or India, uh, because labor is not getting more and more expensive in China. And now it's no longer safe to do business in China, where you, if you're a Westerner, you run the risk of being arrested or having your capital confiscated or whatnot. It's, she basically is cracking down because China is, is a house of cards and they need to basically get ready uh, for the bad times. Part, I would, I would uh, opine that all this rhetoric about invading Taiwan is to, and cracking down on Hong Kong is to distract attention, build up Chinese nationalism, to distract attention from the fact that the Communist Party has drastically driven China into the ground and it's not going to be recovering within our lifetime. No, I... I China and the answer, rig- of course, is Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And therefore, that's one of the things that she wants to stamp out. That's right. Faith in God. I mean, it, it's so disheartening to watch uh, the youth of China who have nothing except the hope of capitalism and the hope of uh, acquiring stuff and the hope of looking good uh, to their peers. Uh, they have no spirituality, they have no religion, they have no Jesus. And the, just the hopelessness that runs in that culture um, and is going to continue to, especially if Qi uh, continues with this order. That you, he is now the Nicene Creed creator of the, the church in China. Well, it st- started about a year ago when they had uh, three self-patriotic movement churches take down the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. from placards, replace them with slogans from Mao and she and now it's moved from the symbols at removing crosses from the church uh, steeple and from the altar area it's now moved from that to replacing the words of the bible with chairman she what's going to come next uh 
it's not a good situation. Friends, pray for China. Pray for yeah. the Christians in China. Pray for the church in China. It's not at North Korea level it's bad, but... No, and in fact, I want to give you a good news story is it's growing. You know, all the stories I hear out of China of the, of the underground church and some of the leaders of the underground church that I got to meet over, over the last uh, 10 years, it's amazing, and they have nothing but good to report, um, except they, they have to be underground. So, yeah. George, next story. One of my favorite bishops, Martin Minns, put out an ad clarum and basically wanted to speak to the uh, clerics of his diocese about going on social media. And his words were wise. Well, he took them from scripture. Of course, they're wise. Um, and one of the problems you and I have seen is uh, clerics and clergy get into discussions on social media and it just goes downhill. And uh, I got you know, yes? to tell you, I miss Martin Minns <laughs> yes, when he moved. Uh, I, well, he's still around. He's not dead. Uh, <laughs> he's the uh, interim bishop in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, but before he became bishop, he really had an international uh, presence. And I was writing and reporting on him all the time. Sure. Uh, in 1998, he and I even got into a fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't come to blows, but okay. uh, oh my! But uh, we, we crossed swords, and uh, Martin is a determined, very bright figure, and mm -hmm. he's very eloquent. And on social media recently, there's been a lot of stupid things said by clergy in the ACNA, in particular, uh, and some people who want to be clergy. Yes, the fellow who uh, want who sort of lit the gay Anglican fire is an aspirant in the diocese of Pittsburgh, and Martin essentially had to say, "Cool your jets." Now, it's Pittsburgh doesn't have the problem that uh, one diocese has C4SO of their clergy being outright lunatics. Uh, there's one fellow who uh, was on Twitter saying that. Uh, Upper Midwest's problems uh, uh, is a bit of a karma, uh, where Steve Rock uh, was the one who authored the traditional position paper on marriage for the College of Bishops. Well, he's pro-abuse and anti-homosexuality is how this... Now, this is crazy, clergy. Episcopal, Susan this Russell is, level. But this clergy, of, this uh, is from a clergy person wrote that. In the ACNA. Uh, Martin is basically saying, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. What he wants to see on Facebook and Twitter are pictures of your cat, pictures of your Sunday service, of your children, what you had for dinner. Uh, stay away from Donald Trump is the devil. Joe Biden is the devil. Uh, because you're public, you know, this is a profession. You should behave professionally. You should a uh, behave with Christian charity and love. Mm -hmm. And Twitter brings out the very worst in people. Um, well, no, Facebook and social media, they, they all bring out the worst in people because we're no longer having dialogue. We're having post-relationships. And our relationship is based on what is the best paragraph or sentence I can put together to win my argument or to, to make a corp uh, on this uh, uh, social media post. How can I add my own flair to the social media post? It's not about having a a face to face discussion. 
that was made great but you know the last centuries of of human dialogue have been lost to you know faceless social media now he did mention the social dilemma which is a documentary on netflix that i recommend everybody uh watch uh, at least yeah you know, i mentioned it at least three or four times before i will put a link to that in the show notes as well it really discusses how places like facebook and twitter and even places like netflix try to influence how often you come onto their platform so that they can make money by selling ads and it's important that you know that you are beyond what you can see all the 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 algorithms uh, beyond your your vision are helping you to come back and fully participate in these websites and make them money and you are uh, a small part of the problem Uh, the social media itself is a problem because it has a built-in dynamic to bring you back and keep feeding you it's sad so i want to thank martin for putting that up uh he references the uh talk that uh, archbishop foley gave at the last house of bishops meeting so please uh i'll put a link to this article in the show notes as well thank you martin for that can Uh, i slide sideways from that story into the upper midwest update yeah it's a quick update on upper midwest We've been doing a little more research, and we've been talking to uh... <laughs> a little gnat <laughs> ran across my. <laughs> Go on. Okay, we've been doing some little more work, a little more research, broadening our net. And friends, this is something that you should spend judgment and withhold opinion until all the facts are known, because what I'm finding is that things that are being asserted as uncontrovertible true without any uh, doubt are challenged as untrue and there is a process underway both within the church and within the criminal courts and i and yes it's okay to denounce abuse in general but withhold adding a person's name to these charges until this plays itself out um Part of the problem is that there have been advocates who have used this crisis of sorts to advance different agendas. Uh, ACNA2, ACNA2, beginning with a hashtag, ACNATOO, which is a survivor's support group, is now talking about they should really be hashtag ACNA2.0, meaning we should be the future our thinking should be the future of the ACNA. Uh, And then, as I mentioned, that one one, uh, C4, I think he's C4SO, I hope I'm not making a misstatement there. This one priest basically saying this is karma uh, for rock, you know, payback. Man, you just don't need that, that sort of commentary in this flammable, in this volatile situation no i mean part of the process here is that we have an investigation let that investigation play out because there's always two sides to every story sometimes three sides four sides five sides that's why you know we do that here on anglican Inc. and anglican scripted for journalism we try to provide both sides of a story and what we you know we saw all these accusations and we started to investigate and uh we w- investigated so much and became concerned enough to say stop 
you guys let this investigation happen. Stop this Twitter fest. Stop this Facebook fest. Uh, and stop making accusation, especially at the clergy level. Some of you guys should be ashamed of yourselves, uh, act in clergy. Uh, and uh, I, I hope I don't have to get to the point where I name names in a couple weeks, but uh, this needs to stop. You're, you're festering something that you don't know all the facts on, and that's what the point of this investigation is for uh, at the police level and at the uh, uh, third-party ACNA level. So, Christ, right. Christ calls us to be childlike in our faith, but not childish in our behavior. We're seeing childish behavior here. Yeah. Uh, we got some information uh, from the, the Truro congregation, and I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Uh, first, let's uh, bring the people up to date uh, who are new to the program. Tell us a little bit about Truro, a very famous church in the ACNA. Truro is one of the flagship ACNA parishes. No, nothing no doubt about that whatsoever. Sure. The big three, in essence, are Churro, Falls Church, and Christ Church in uh, Plano. Plano, yeah. They're the big three. Uh, Tori Bauckham was called to be rector, and that was a controversial time. Tori was buddy-buddy with Justin Welby. He tried to sort of get close to Shannon Johnston, the Episcopal Bishop of Virginia. He didn't really seem to want to be under the Episcopal oversight of John Guernsey, the bishop, or he really seemed to be ashamed of being in the ACNA. And there were problems there, and he eventually uh, announced he, the, the vestry asked him to resign, and then after he resigned, he announced he was going to become a Roman Catholic. So it was a difficult time for the parish. Uh, they didn't choose the right person. And it was and just there was fiasco. not a lot, of, lot of good communication within the parish at the time as to how this happened, what was happening, how did you know Balcom leave and become a Roman Catholic? A lot of the average layperson within uh, Truro didn't know what was going on. Well, we've been contacted by former staff, uh, members of the vestry of Truro. Um, and I've, I've been in communication with Bishop Guernsey's office about the latest sort of problems there. Again, it's leadership. Tim Mayfield was called to be the interim rector while they basically healed from the Tory Balcom era and began the process to call a new full-time rector. In February, uh, two women, uh, I'm sorry, two persons, I don't know their gender, but I assume they're women, made allegations of misconduct against Tim Mayfield. This was reported, this was reported, to, this was shared with the vestry and it was shared with Bishop Guernsey. And an independent investigation was found, was launched by, I believe, a law firm. In May, an oral report was given to John Guernsey that essentially said the, it is more likely than not that the allegations are correct. They found the allegations. beyond a shadow of a doubt. Right. They found it was a credible complaint. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Mayfield has vociferously denied these allegations, mm -hmm. but he was stood down. He was suspended, and it has not really been made public the exact complaint against him. On August 8th, the, there will be a parish meeting where it will be announced that the vestry has asked for Tim Mayfield's resignation. We've received an email, uh, three members of the vestry of Truro are resigning over this act. They feel that 
they uh, there was not proper consultation, that the benefit of the doubt should have been given to the Mayfield. They don't think it was proven, these allegations. And they claim that uh, the diocese really didn't communicate. I've spoke, I've been in contact with the diocese. The diocese has played this by the book. The diocese has been working with the wardens of the parish and uh, it is, they see this as a tragedy for the parish. And I've had a former member of staff say, I know Tim Mayfield, I can't imagine this is possibly true. What's wrong with Truro? So we have a almost a he said, she said, but from what I, and so the facts are, did he do it or did he not do it? I don't know. I haven't seen, I had, it wasn't there to receive the oral report, but I trust the fact that John Guernsey is a man of complete integrity and he's played this by the book. Well, and that, but here's the point. They have a process. They followed the steps of the process and you don't have to agree with the conclusion of the process. But you have to understand the process was followed and we have to honor the process. Whether or not, you know, some investor people conclude that this is a fair process or not. John Guernsey played this by the book. The diocese played this by the book. And the vestry did the right things by turning over these allegations to the diocese so that they could be fully investigated. Uh, an investigation has been contact, conducted. Now Truro has the opportunity to, to move on again. So... So it is a tragedy, um, but the, it has not been proven. But the standard is not It's the standard is not that of a criminal trial. It's the balance of probabilities, and the balance of probabilities we are told was that these allegations were more likely than not to be true. So uh, Turo has just been snake bit. It really has yeah. gone through a bad time. The last. Gosh, five, six years. All right. Let's move on to the final story of the day. And <laughs> George looks at the notes. Oh, boy, this is a hard one. We kind of alluded to this a couple weeks ago. Um, no, no, we got two more, Kevin. We got two more. Let's do Australia and then oh, yeah, the yeah, final yeah. story. Okay. I didn't make my list. Do Australia. So On the uh, cover page of Anglican Inc. is David Old's latest story out of Australia. Uh, David Old is one of our frequent uh, collaborators, contributors to Anglican Inc. He's on this show from time to time from way far away, the bottom of the earth. The bottom of the earth. <laughs> Last week we reported that GAFCON Australia had issued an invitation to Anglican parishes that would fall on the wrong side of the gay marriage line in the diocese. The appellate tribunal in Australia is going to determine whether dioceses may have a local option on gay marriage. And GAFCON has said, if you find yourself in that position where you cannot in good conscience be part of that diocese if they adopt gay marriage, we will set up a non-geographic diocese by GAFCON, akin to what we've done in New Zealand, to give you Episcopal oversight and uh, pastoral support. Well, Jeff Smith, the primate of Australia, has responded denouncing GAFCON for fomenting dissension. Uh, David Old points out that uh, Smith has been sort of Mr. Milktoast up to this point. He doesn't really condemn anybody or anything. Those pushing for gay marriage, those breaking the rules that exist on gay marriage, have not received as drastic or dramatic a condemnation as GAFCON's hypothetical actions if certain things happen in the future. 
So what we've seen is basically Smith has come out on which side of the divide he is, which is the institution forever. Yeah. <clears throat> and we saw that here in the Episcopal Church. We've seen that uh, repeat itself over and over again. Um, well, we've seen that in the Church of England with Justin Welby. Yeah. Um, see, there was great hope for Smith because uh, at one point he declined, when he first came into Adelaide, where he's the Archbishop, he uh, declined to license a transgendered uh, person uh, to the priesthood in that diocese. Um, but then one of his suffragans or area bishops went ahead and did it to, for a different case. So Smith sort of is half in, half out, says the right things here, is quiet there, but now he's spoken out and he's really come down on one side basically pushing back against uh, Sydney and that uh, alliance. All right, on to our last story. It's not a fun story to report. In fact, it comes in two parts. We're going to tell you part one of the story right now. Part one of the story is we have learned that the, I'll uh, get the official name here, the jurisdiction of the armed forces and chaplaincy has decided for whatever reason, that it no longer wants to be under the ACNA's authority and leadership and under Archbishop Foley, it wants to move back to the Church of Nigeria. And we've discovered this through some emails and contacts and unofficial sources at the ACNA and an ACNA bishop who called me and uh, got a, a whole long discussion. And I'm like, how is this possible? Because I know that the ACNA has, over at least since 2014, uh, consecrated all the suffragan bishops in the uh, Anglican chaplaincy. Why would they up and want to change their minds? And I know I'm going to ask George. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of those crazy stories that uh, will probably play itself out over the next week or two, as we try and fetter out uh, why American service troops are being serviced by chaplains of Nigeria. Maybe people have forgotten. I also know that uh, all the Suffragan bishops of the Anglican chaplaincy have been consecrated by the College of Bishops and approved by the College of Bishops of the ACNA. So I, they were not approved by the, AC, the, the Church of Nigeria College of Bishops. I don't, I, I don't understand uh, this dynamic. So this is a story that's going to play over the next couple weeks. We hope we never have to tell you part two of the story because that's a little bit more personal and involves characters and personalities that did things wrong. This is the interesting part, part one. And this is how on earth do you wake up one morning fully in ACNA diocese and decide you are now a Church of Nigeria diocese again, George? Does this make any sense to you? No, but let's tell, let's say what we can say. Okay. Sources have told us Multiple Both. sources have told us. Multiple sources have told us that there is a firestorm behind the office doors of the ACNA's top leadership. Mm -hmm. The ACNA is currently dealing with the public fallout of the Upper Midwest scandal. The Washington po Religion News Service, which is a liberal left-leaning outlet, has... Washington Post has been publishing their stories about the ACNA and abuse. So ACNA is basically going through a PR crisis right now. And now this thing has popped up that the Derek Jones, 
the bishop of the jurisdiction of armed forces and chaplaincy, has told his clergy that they are under the Church of Nigeria, not the Anglican Church in North America. Follow-up class but, questions. Well, I, I, I need to correct that. I don't know if he's told all his clergy. I know he's told the College of Bishops of the ASCNA. I think one of the confusions here is the clergy don't know what's going on. Some clergy have been told. Look, you're yeah, correct, Kevin. Yeah, I misstated. Yeah, yeah. Some clergy have been have been told this, mm -hmm. and when they have asked for clarification from the the chaplaincy office, they're basically told we don't know. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. So there is a uh, is the chaplains has the chaplaincy pulled out for Nigeria? Um, this has got to be settled by. Uh, Foley Beach and Derek Jones, because this, there's no way. I mean, Derek Jones can, as a person, go to church in Nigeria. Sure. That's Absolutely. not an issue. Yeah, but can he take the rest of the chaplains with him, especially as, and can he continue to be a uh, an authorizing person for chaplains in the military from the ACNA if he's not a member of the ACNA? Uh, it's opening up all sorts of really weird questions. And I have to ask myself, why now? Why is this happening? Yeah. What's wrong with the ACNA that allegedly the chaplains want to move out to Nigeria? Um, now, Nigeria is battling a prosperity gospel infection. Um, is that what's part of this? I don't know. It just it's well so, so press releases would be kind uh, to the world uh, a little bit more transparency as to why you're uh, deciding to take the chaplaincy to the church in Nigeria I would like to hear from our viewers in uh, in the comment section would you be in favor of the Anglican chaplaincy being under the leadership of the Church of Nigeria rather than the Anglican Church of North America now George, if I were Archbishop Foley, and I'm not, I am not, I would be offended. If I were the College of Bishops of the ACNA, I would be offended. There's no good reason to abandon the ACNA. I say abandon. Now, That's what's happening in my, in, in my view here. Now, if we look at the canons and constitution, a diocese may withdraw from the ACNA. Absolutely. We saw that with the Anglican mission. Mm -hmm. um, and from time to time, we hear that one or two of the small Anglo-Catholic dioceses are annoyed about something. But a not, but the chaplaincy to the armed forces is not a diocese in that sense. The chap, the bishop of the armed forces is a, essentially a suffragan to the primate. That's correct. So that to spin off from the ACNA, in essence, Foley Beach has to do that. I don't think the chaplaincy bishop has the authority to do that due to its unique status um. yeah well and, and to back up uh, the primate from the church in nigeria just visited here like two months ago they set up a new cathedral in houston uh for uh Kena west um this may all be part of that we'll have to do some further investigation uh to see if that was a spark or if that was part of the plan uh, I would uh, love to know what the Cana West may or may not have to do with this too it's just one of the stories one of the stories part and, two you know one of the a report a, a question a reporter asks himself is who benefits from this yeah. 
I can't see anybody benefiting from this. But then again, we don't have the full facts. Yeah. And, oh, it's just unnecessary. It, it's it's unreal to, to see this. It's unreal what happened in part two. Part two is still playing out. Uh, maybe we won't ever have to uh, report part two, but part two is worse than part one. George, I think that's the if, whole... If friend, can, yeah. well, can I give some advice to the ACNA? Please. If you, if you want to get consistent news coverage, follow the Church of England model. Do bonehead things like that. <laughs> yes. Not the, not this sort of bonehead thing. I mean, you know, not uh, stick more to uh, uh, dis, uh, defrocking clergy for uh, hugging a small child after their mother died. You know, stick to that. Then you'll get great press coverage. Won't be po positive, but no, still, it'd be consistent. Let's keep it clean, folks. Yeah, keep I mean, it a clean, great story that we can stick to without going i have no clue what they're up to i know that the church of england has good consistent weird very consistency stupidity is, and perverts i mean they and mediocrity you know they've got it down pat i mean you and i have reported on and have observed how well the college of bishops the house of bishops at the acna has worked through some very difficult discussions women clergy, women bishops, you know, they, they'll sit down and they'll hash it out. They may never come to a definitive uh, solution one way or the other in these issues, but they work together. And to see something like this uh, come, just hash its way out, where one bishop stands up and says, I'm taking my diocese out. That doesn't make any sense, George. You know, have we been lied to by the College of Bishops of the ACNA? I don't think so. I think this is uh, some type of maverick thing going on or uh, somebody on the outside is working against the ACNA, which we've seen before. But that's something else that we could talk about later. George, what do we got here? Oh, oh my gosh. We haven't quite gone an hour. It's only Tuesday. I need to pack up the, uh, the, the Monstro here and get it on the road. I'm Kevin Carlson. Can, can and can you close with uh, the Willie Nelson on the road again? On the music, the or is again? that a oh, copyright issue? It'd be copyright, but I'm such a good singer. All on the road again. <laughs> I'm Kevin Coulson. And you've been watching, ep and I'm George Conger, and you've been watching episode 676 of Anglican Unscripted.